Welcome to the Garbage Pod. One pod, one load of garbage. 29 and 28. Remanded in custody. Hello everybody and welcome to the Spamhead Productions Aylesbury Studios for the Garbage Pod 2014 Christmas Special. On the show tonight we'll be bringing you all kinds of festive fun and frolics, including our first beer review section with a bit of a TGP twist. As always, on the Christmas episodes, listen out for festive messages from our friends and listeners of the show. As we are coming to you from the Aylesbury Studios, there's only one person who could be co-hosting tonight, and that is the one and only... Edry Ballhop Mellows. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very good. Thank you very much, boss. It's good to have you back in the berry for a change, rather than being <laughs> in your Letchworth Studios, the... Uh, Taylor the Towers. Cute. Taylor Towers, that's what we call it. I was struggling for the uh, the name there, as you can tell, so thanks for the save there, boss. <laughs> but yeah, life has been very good. Thank you very much. So how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, it's been busy, busy, busy. But um, mainly trying to get this together, and um, I'm hoping everybody is going to enjoy it. Of course they are. It's Christmas, and if you're not enjoying it, go get a beer right now. <laughs> you're listening to the Garbage Pod, where your input is our output. The young bullhawk here has recently travelled to Chicago. Yes, I have. Yeah, it was a fantastic trip. Uh, I've got a few friends out in Chicago. Uh, one I stay with, uh, who put me up again this year so thank you very much Ali and also Danny it was great to see you both again Um, always look after me which is fantastic and good to just have a city like Chicago where when you need a break from everything over here you just go you know what I'm just going to drop everything I'm just going to fly over 4,000 miles away I'm just going to go and chill in one of the greatest cities still New York is my favourite city in America yep Andrew just said that Um, but (laughs) I also love Chicago it's just one of the best places so many bars went to a comedy club this time round for the first time and the the acts at the comedy club were just out of this world they were really really (laughs) funny and uh, I thought I was going to have the uh, the golden ticket as it were for being the person from the furthest away from Chicago having come from England who are we sat next to? Some Australians. Kiwis. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had me uh, nailed on that one. So, But all in all, yeah, I mean, it was a, a great trip. It's always good. And my first Halloween out in America as well. I know we've started to, to grapple onto the, the Halloween thing over here, but what's it actually like over there for it? Uh, well, this year it was wet. <laughs> it was snowing. It was windy. We had four seasons in a day. Sadly, to a point where we didn't end up going out in the evening because if you would have seen the weather, trust me, you'd understand. The best way to describe it and the the best stat I have to describe it is Chicago O'Hare grounded 700-plus flights on Halloween. That's how bad the weather was. So it wasn't just me chickening out and going, oh, I'm afraid of the dark, I don't want to go out on Halloween. It was just ridiculous weather. And word of advice, if you happen to find yourself in America on Halloween, make sure you get your costume before especially if you need an extra large size because trying to find an extra large costume on the morning of Halloween is a mission. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> well, all I've got to say about the weather side of things is, well, they don't call it the Windy City for nothing. It wasn't just windy. We had snow, we had hail, we had rain. It was everything you, you could possibly have in a day. It was uh, redonkulous, but still, uh, it was great to just relax and young Marcus Mr Innuendo Bingo 
held the fort down for me while I was away. So yes, hopefully yes, he, he did, did a good job on that boss. He was he was a bit nervous, but I had to try and relax him into the to the whole process of it all. I don't think we want to get into how you <laughs> relax my co-host before a show, do we? I'm sure this is a, <laughs> a pre-watershed podcast. <laughs> but uh, no, he he he, um, he coped with it pretty well. That's because he got well relaxed beforehand. <laughs> From the sounds of things, not that I'm trying to, yes, I am trying to insinuate something there. But now again, thank you both for holding the fort down while I was taking a nice week out for a change. That's no problem at all. Now, I thought it'd be a, a fantastic opportunity to uh, cross over with another podcast whilst Adri was over in the Windy City. So I got in touch with um, Phil Clark from the Britain Yankee Pubcast, who was only too happy to accommodate him, from what I heard. <laughs> Let's find out how... Let's leave the, the innuendo to Marcus. <laughs> Let's find out how the bullhawk got on. All right, there we go. They're pulling the pints once again. It's yet another pubcast from the Britain Yankee. Michael, Michael, we yes. have quite a house full here today, don't we? We do. It's quite a special edition. In Ooh. fact, sitting on the opposite side of you, we have uh, what I would call a craft beer virgin. And it's actually kind of great to have him here because all the way from the uk well he's actually got off the plane last week but he got off the train to come over here uh this afternoon it's adri mallows from the garbage podcast hello welcome to the show i'm so glad that you could come here because your co-host mark taylor he's he's uh, been bugging me and saying adri's coming over and he wants to do a pubcast with you and i said absolutely no problem yeah, so absolutely. He's, he's also the boss, is how I refer to him, rather than the co-host. He, oh, dear. He gives me all the direction, tells me what I need to Mike, do. So. Mike, I'm the boss. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you say, Phil. But last and, not, and certainly not least. That's, that's why you're the... Sell, uh, I'm sorry. You're the landlord. I am the landlord. And I am just the lonely you're cellar master. The cellar master and the brew master. We're all masters of our own domains, aren't we? <laughs> So um, we're going to be doing some sampling of beers as we normally do. We're going to be talking to Adri about his podcast, but we're also going to be talking to him about his other a career that he has in the in the making, and uh, it's got some rather interesting sides to it, which we'll get to shortly. I'm going to turn over now to Adri and find out what the hell, Adri, do you do on the Garbage Podcast, and tell us a little bit about your other exploits. Absolutely, thank you. Uh, yes, so the Garbage Pod, which I do with uh, the boss, Mark Taylor, um, we cover all kinds of local events. We're a podcaster's podcast, so we try to get uh, a lot of collaborations with, with other UK podcasters or podcasters like yourself. From Ex-UK podcasters. Ex-UK <laughs> podcasters, exactly. Um, we've covered things from uh, local food and beer festivals, like the Letchworth uh, Food Festival we did last year. Uh, the Hitchin Beer Festival last year. You'll notice a bit of a theme going on here. Um, <laughs> Mark and uh, someone else, we uh, work with uh, Mr. Alan Taylor Shearer, and um, they went down to the Great British Beer Festival. Bri- sorry, I've had a few already. Brit- <laughs> <laughs> I've British had a couple, yeah. Beer now. Festival uh, at Olympia this year, they covered, oh. they were there on the press day. Um, so we're just trying to kind of promote things in the local community. Um, we also have a new project that uh, has just been launched at, um, at the same time as Space Week, um, and that is TGP Nominal. So that's uh, the next sort of podcast from the Garbage Pod TGP? family. TGP? 
TV What's that sound for? Oh, the garbage podcast. I'm not the only one that's had a few from the sound of things. So, and that is kind of bringing together the sci-fi world as well as the space community and um, we have all of the uh, launches on the website um, and there's forums there for everyone to go to and just trying to educate people as well on all things space related and there's even the first podcast was the uh, snippets and samples from our trip to the National Space Centre in Leicester. Oh, so a couple of questions. Number one, did you see the big launch this week that didn't happen? <laughs> um, I did. It's not so much that it didn't happen, and, it, and it's very good that there wasn't anybody on board for the launch. It was, uh, I say luckily, because at the end of the day, it's still not good to lose all that kind of hardware, but it was just experiments and supplies to the space station. So yeah. from that perspective, at least there was nobody else on board. Spectacular explosion. Oh, phenomenal explosion. And then just for the listeners uh, who are <coughs> over here, here in the u.s where exactly is Letch, Letchfield and and hitchin like oh, if you know where sorry. london is right you know head down okay from there. yeah so uh, if you know where london is uh, you may know that london is surrounded by the home counties so bedfordshire buckinghamshire hertfordshire uh, letchworth is in hertfordshire so um just up the motorway up the a1m which is what east 30 west miles, 30 miles north okay and slightly east of London. Okay, north and east. Okay. Yes. And Hertfordshire is what it is? Um, well, yeah, it's in Hart- Letchworth is okay. in Hertfordshire. So as a county, it kind of covers uh, quite a vast area. So from where I was originally born and raised in Hemel, all the way up to Letchworth, where the boss currently resides. Wow. And it's quite nice countryside up there, that way, right? Absolutely beautiful. You'll be surprised that if you get drive about 20 minutes outside of London, um, you'll be amazed at the beautiful countryside you see just around the home counties. And despite how much building work is going on around us these days, it still doesn't take very long just to get out into the open country, and it's fantastic. That's good. Now, you have another side project going on which which when i knew you were coming over i contacted mark and he said no he, he's got another date later tonight and i said what he says yeah he's he's going to be meeting up with a quarterback from the lfl and i said what the hell is the L? hey what the hell is the lfl <laughs> um, well, okay. so but you're not actually but Tell us a little bit about that, and then I'm going to tell everybody to go out and Google this, because if you are meeting up with her, I want to be there. Um, unfortunately, no. Um, I'm not actually... I mean, we couldn't, uh, schedules didn't work out uh, this time, oh. unfortunately. Um, but that is the Legends Football League that okay. I'm referring to, which I cover as part of my, my own website, the bullhawksnest.com. Bullhawks? How do you spell that? For the people who can't understand your accent, spell it. Okay, yeah, I can understand that. It's B A L L H A W K S. H A W K S. That's it. Yes. (laughs) I've been here long enough to say H now, so you know I drop my H's. (laughs) So for you, it's herbs, right? Yeah, yeah, herbs. Yeah, herbs. Oh no, actually, you know what? You know what, Adri? That's one thing I won't will not stand for. It is herbs, damn it. There's an H, and that needs to be pronounced. So, <coughs> thank you, Well, Mike. at least we agree on that part. Yeah, anyway, so, so yeah, so that, now legends. So, you mean it's it's the legends of the NFL, uh, you know, like Peyton no, and No, it may and, be uh, a people. little bit confusing there, yeah, so oh. I apologise. Um, the Legends Football League is formerly the Lingerie Football League. Ah, what? Pardon? Hello? Yeah. Matt, he's up. He's, he's awake. <laughs> Mike just... Oh, oh. Hello. <laughs> What, so they got these big burly NFL players playing in lingerie? What, in their oh, underwear? I'm puke. Um, well, no, they didn't. It's a uh, female sport. It is a seven-on-seven seven full contact sport. Uh, <laughs> there you go. 
I've got my bell ringing. Look at it. He's turning like five shades of red over there. He's so excited. Um, I think we found a new sport for him to listen to. I'm sorry for interrupting. But on the, the serious side of things, um, if you do like NFL, it is the way the sport is now. Yes, it did start off as a, a gimmicky halftime show. But if you actually pay attention to it now and you get a chance to speak to the athletes, um, you will see that they hit as hard as the Ameri- actual NFL <coughs> athletes. They're a smart and you know what? Part of the selling point is yes, they are also beautiful ladies. But if you actually get, the I think they might be smarter yeah. than most yeah, of the guys playing well, NFL. I have to say, yeah, when you get the chance to speak to them, um, they're incredibly intelligent. They know the game as well. Um, and at the moment, it is still an amateur sport. But really, um, wow, is heading in the right direction. Hopefully, so. So uh, for the folks in the Chicagoland area, the team is what. Uh, yeah, the team in the Chicago area. So Chicago actually has a team to be proud of if you follow the Legends Football League because they are actually the uh, two-time back-to-back Legends Cup champions. Wow, so, unlike the right. NFL team. So Chicago <laughs> has a championship team. There you go. But you never thought that would happen. Oh, wow. And, and what is their name? <laughs> the Chicago Bliss. Ah, Bliss. Indeed. So uh, they play at the Sears Centre, which I understand isn't too far away from where we are now. Well, yeah, a little bit north of us out here in the western suburbs. Uh, I think it's Hoffman Estates. Is that right? Yeah, Sears Centre. Yep, there we go. And that is uh, Sears, the the clothing cut. Well, what the hell ever? What are they? Department store. Department Department store. store. Yeah, right. They lost their tower. It used to be the Sears Tower. Now it's the what? Willis Tower. What you talking about, Willis? Exactly. I don't think anyone here would ever call it the Willis Tower. No, No, I certainly wouldn't. Okay, so so, uh, um, now you got involved in that. So what exactly is your hope and... You know, for for that that area that you're going into, why did you get involved in that? Um, well, my passion is NFL, so not only do I am I a massive fan of the NFL. Wait a minute, you're from the UK. You like football, not bloody football with helmets well, on and like, stuff I do like, like that. Football, but I also like football. Does that make sense? Uh, I yes. guess. Mike, he <laughs> likes Can sports. In ge- <laughs> he likes sports in general. Football, okay, football. Uh, and pretty prefer, ladies who yeah. hit hard. Oh, that's that's. Wait my, a second. My, that's my passion. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so, so you know, NFL is my passion, um, and I also have that on my website as well. So I'm going to get in a cheap little plug there as well. If that's of course. okay. And what? Is, and what is? Oh, you said the website. Bullhawksnest.com. Oh, Bullhawks Nest. What the hell is a bullhawk? Uh, well, firstly, I would be a bullhawk, and it's not the kind you may be thinking right now. Well, actually, uh, I'm not thinking anything because I don't know what a bullhawk is. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, for those familiar with the NFL, they will understand the term bullhawk, but it's for a defensive player who is always in and around the the ball effectively so really? like causing fumbles getting interceptions um, a prime example would be Jarius Bird of the New Orleans Saints he would be classed as a bullhawk all, all I know is that on a Sunday when the lads come over to watch the big screen we either have a good roaring high five drinking a lot of beer game or a rather quiet drinking, drinking a lot, lot of beer game, game. <laughs> So, Andrew, you, it sounds like you know absolutely fabulous that you you're able to do this. I hope you I hope you actually succeed in in this. This is this is kind of interesting. So maybe we'll see you over here. Where, where do you want to be based out of when you come over here? Um, the ideal situation for me would be somewhere between New York and Buffalo because Buffalo is my my team for NFL. Really? Um, yeah, on mm. the East Coast. So I've been to Buffalo itself, been to Ralph Wilson Stadium and stunningly uninventful place, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it is, and so was the game that I saw actually back in 2009. My first game at the Ralph was a 6-3 loss to Cleveland. <laughs> 
a 6-3 loss in America. Exciting. Exciting. And not only that, that was in the middle of winter at 45 million degrees below zero. Yeah, but I felt like I was a in true fan. In the snowbank. Yeah. In the snowbank, yeah. <laughs> so that was good. I mean, I felt like I was a true fan. But at so. least you get good wings. Good wins. Wings. Say, wings. Oh, good wings. Yeah, absolutely. You get good wings in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, wins not so much. Wings, yes. <laughs> um, but ideally, that's where I'd like to be on the East Coast somewhere that I could get to Buffalo. But beggars can't be choosers. As long as I get to work in the NFL, that's that's the plan. There you go. That's the dream. Your podcast is produced by Spamhead Productions, right? Is that you? Uh, no, that would be uh, Mr. Taylor. Oh, that's Mr. Taylor. So, a- we'll give, AKA the boss. AKA the boss. The boss. We'll you. give them a mm-hmm. final run in then. Okay, boys and girls? Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. There we go. Um, Spamhead Productions. Very interesting. Uh, obviously, something to do with Monty Python. I, I like the name a lot. Indeed. I like spam. I like spam, spam, spam. Oh, honey, I love spam. I'll have yours. So, did you learn anything from the Brent Yankee boys? Yeah, uh, dirty shots. Don't drink them. If someone offers you, it talks to you about how nasty a shot can be, and then they buy it for you at the pub afterwards. Don't drink it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were. Um, I did learn a few things. I was a, a craft beer virgin, as they so aptly put, and. Drink what you like, I learnt from the, the chaps at the Brit and Yankee. And when you're on a, a beer tasting podcast, don't ask everyone what they think. They want to know what you think, what you taste, what you smell is going to be different to everyone else. So just be free and express yourself. That's good that you've taken some of this on board because we're, we're going to be needing that soon. But did the boys teach you anything about fluctuation and uh, effervescency? They may have done. <laughs> <laughs> but they got me incredibly drunk at the same time so what I can and can't remember from that evening um, yeah there's, there's a few gaps in there <laughs> but they treated me extremely well and I was very grateful I'll explain everything about um, well not everything about um, effervescency not easy to say and flocculation which sounds like something you could get arrested for to be honest with you it sounds like how you're relaxing Marcus <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I'll explain a bit more about them as we sample our first beer of the evening. Now, at the Garbage Pod, we like to do things a little bit different uh, with a bit of a twist on our beer show reviews. Yes, we will be giving the beers a tasting, discussing what we think and rating them, but we want to re-interact with the brewers, asking them to come on board and tell us a little bit more about the beer and about their brewery. Earlier this year friend of the show, Andy Skeen, from the Dominion Brewery, kindly gave us some of their latest brew, the Woodbine Racer, so that we could try it on the show. I spoke to Andy recently, and this is what he had to say. 
beer comes from an idea from uh, Rob Chapman at the Woodbine Pub in uh, Honey Lane, Waltham Abbey. And we were talking about doing a house beer. And uh, as is, um, and he wanted about 4.2% golden ale, North American style, you know, sort of uh, whatever he calls it, sort of postmodern brew, sort of uh, American hops, but not too hoppy, not an extremo beer. So we come up with a 4.2 recipe, nice sort of golden ale, nicely hoppy, a bit tropical in its aroma and stuff like that. Very nice too, as it turns out. And then the name itself, what I like to do with the Dominion beers is tell stories one way or another. And uh, the Woodbine Pub shares, a, well, the Woodbine name is also the name of a racetrack in Toronto, in, in West Toronto, in, in uh, Etobicoke. And uh, there they do horse racing. Uh, with horse and cart racing and sulky racing and um, what happened uh, in 1925 not far from the Woodbine pub back in uh, Waltham Abbey Epping Forest Way up in a clearing in the woods they did the first speedway in the UK so we got horse racing in Toronto combined with speedway racing in the UK both uh, tied together with the uh, with the name Woodbine so that's where the name came from that's where the image comes from on the artwork for it it's just combining those two stories together um, and and there you go you got something a bit more than just just a name you know you can you can go into sort of horse racing if you want to a bit of history of Toronto history of Canada history of Speedway history of Epping Forest or whatever it's just a it's just a vehicle you know it's just a little vehicle to open uh, open doors maybe to uh, your exploration of further stories or further information what can we get, expect to get from the beer the taste of the beer, as we uh, as, as we designed it, and as happily it's come out, you get a nice sort of medium bitterness. You get sort of a nice malty sweetness. It's there, quite uh, quite Moorish, really. That's the initial bitterness there, and then that gives way to a, a sort of a, a, a pleasing, lasting bitterness. But again, not too heavy. And then it's uh, what what really gets you is the aroma, which is mandarins and clementines, really over over overwhelmingly so. Not that the aroma itself is overwhelming; it is just uh, predominantly uh, uh, clementine and mandarin, that sort of tropical fruit aroma. Some people get sort of uh, passion fruit or whatever sort of uh, sort of aromas from it as well, but. Uh, that, that this being being like tasting is subjective anyway. So people, different people get different things out of it. Yeah, sure. Uh, what's new for you guys? Is anything happening in, in the pipeline? Well, as as we speak, I've just mashed in Woodbine Racer Turbo, which is uh, a six point two percent beer. Doing this for Christmas, Robert the Robert the Woodbine wanted a uh, sort of a more Christmassy kind of beer. Well, slightly stronger anyways, and it's going to be like Woodbine Racer, only bigger. In a way, <laughs> it's going to be 6.2% alcohol, a little bit more bitterness to carry because with the stronger beers, you get a bit more multi sweetness out of it. So we're going to need a bit more hop in there to just keep them paired up nicely in, in, in relation to each other. And, and we should have should still have that really nice um, tropical aroma to it. That should be a really nice brew, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to do it in cask and we're going to do it in uh, 375 cork and wire uh, uh, champagne bottles and, and 750 mil champagne bottles as well. Oh, wow. And wire. That really does give it something special for like, the, the Christmas market. Yeah, yeah. It should look nice. You know, if you just want to buy a you know a present for someone for whatever it's going to be, you know, it's going to be well under 20 quid sort of thing. That's a, that's a really nice beer for someone. Sort of uh, as a stocky filler or just a standalone person for who's got every beer in the world except that one. Well, as Andy was uh, pointing out there, it's, it's going to be in these um, champagne bottles. Now, um, it does something to the fermentation process when it's in the, the bottle. So as soon as you start pulling the, the cork out, it, it does something to the beer. It activates the beer. So um, yeah, that one should be a, a really interesting brew. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Adri, would you like to uh, describe to the listeners the design on the bottle, please? Yeah, no worries. This is probably the most awesome 
uh, picture I've seen on a on an ale bottle, certainly, <laughs> which I'm sure you're going to put in the show notes or have some kind of picture of somewhere yeah, for our I, I have, listeners. Yeah. But to describe it for you, um, tying in with the story there of how the ale first came about, we have on a motorbike uh, what is uh, a nice old boy with a very smiley face with the old style goggles and, and hat on, <laughs> and the motorcycle has a sidecar. Uh, with flames and a skull on it, with a horse in it looking very, very scared. <laughs> <laughs> now, I thought that the, uh, the design looked a little bit like... Um, uh, uh, like the, well, the guy on the motorbike was a little bit like one of the characters from the, the gorillas. Oh, right, OK, yes. Yeah, OK, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know, people, the gorillas is a... Um, or was, yeah. Uh, well, I think they're still going. I'm not sure. They're a band that are made up of cartoon characters really aren't they and we yeah obviously they're they're real voices etc yeah yeah yeah, it's it's something that was devised by uh damon alban that's Uh, it but they're all caricatures aren't they yeah Yeah, in the videos and everything uh yeah it's um a really unusual bottle for that is for sure Uh, to be honest though my first glance uh, without looking at it fully uh, it looked a bit to me like Herbert from Family Guy on the motorbike, which I thought was extremely funny. Oh, yes. <laughs> but yes. obviously, <laughs> we look at it a bit closer, you see, yeah, it's uh, it's not quite that bad. <laughs> the last thing he needs is a speedy method of transport to get him around. <laughs> Rather than his Zimmer frame, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. No wonder the horse looks scared. <laughs> Would you like to do the honours for us? Of course, yeah. Let's do this. Not forgetting to see if what aromas we get from it, and yeah, let's we've got to do it properly. Oh yeah, you gotta you gotta smell it first. That's I, I learned that much. It's very fizzy. It is. <laughs> I, I I I put that on whoever carried it up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me, boss. Wasn't me. This is really exciting for anyone listening to it, it right is now. Actually, All you it, can hear is bubbles. That is. It sounds like we're in a jacuzzi or something at the moment. <laughs> we're not, for reference. <laughs> the the Aylesbury Studios don't quite have that high-tech equipment yet. So, let's go with a little bit more in each glass. And, yes, it's, it's a bit heady, oh, I say. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's right, it's very golden in colour. Yeah, so as I learned from my experience, um, let's go with Mark. How would you, how would you describe the colour and the clarity? Well, the colour is, 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 is a very good urine sample. Um, we don't discuss <laughs> beers in that way, especially when they're called pale ale. <laughs> Not good publicity, my friend. No, it, what he it meant is, to say is it's very golden. Uh, it's, it's golden colour. Um, <laughs> now, this is where the, the, the flocculation and the effervescency comes on uh, comes from. It's the the flocculation is sometimes you you get sediment at the bottom of the of the glass, and that is what flocculation is. Is the bits that you might might get in it. Uh, effervescency uh, is the bubbles. So yeah, it's an extremely effervescent beer. Indeed. So let's um, have a sniff. I kind of. There is a kind of a citrus. I wouldn't be able to define 
what fruits, but there's definitely... No, I, I, I definitely had a flashback to, to being sat at the bar when I when I smelt this one. <laughs> so that would tie in with, obviously, with the, the North American side that, that he was describing there, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm definitely getting a citrusy comeback on the, on the, on the aroma from that. Well, before we, before we take a, a sip, I think two words. Vasail. Vasail. How would you describe the taste? It's quite light. Um, Again, a bit of a that bittery aftertaste that, that Andy mentioned as well. Ooh. Now this is it's quite a, a not a bad beer actually because sometimes it, um, with ales you, you do get that really bitter taste to them. But this this is um, I could um, have a few of these actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is a very nice beer. It's one of those beers. I think uh, if you had an introduction into ales, if you were going from a lager, for example, like, something like a Carlsberg, I think you could easily go back onto one of these if you wanted to make the transformation into an ale drinker. Yeah, I'm still still thinking about this one because it's, it is that bitterness and that's one of the things that I'm afraid unfortunately does kind of turn me off a little bit when it comes to, when it comes to beverages. I'm not really a, a bitter man myself. Like the Murphys. Uh, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> like the Murphys. I'm not a bitter. Exactly. <laughs> but still, uh, a nice, pleasant on the palate. Not too bitter, to be honest, and quite light. So, I don't know. What would you give it as a rating, should we go with? Um, and what rating system are we going to use? Because we haven't even discussed this well, yet. Well, no, it's, it's, it's a simple thing, I think. We'll just do it out of five. Um, obviously... Five being a, a really nice beer, zero being Drano. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Some people might like to drink Drano. I wouldn't recommend it, but you know, <laughs> there have been people known to be doing that. Yeah, this is true. And um, yeah, obviously, sort of like two and a half, three is a sort of middle of the road. You would drink it, but you wouldn't go out of your way, kind of. That's it. That's it. Um, I think. I think I'd give this about a three and a half, actually. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a bad beer. Um, what do you like most about it? I think it's the fact that it is a light beer, because uh, it's only, what, it's 4.2, isn't it? 4.2%. Yes. Um, so it's quite a reasonable beer. You can have a few of them and not worry about it too much. Glug, 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 glug. There you go, boss. Don't let it go to waste. <laughs> <laughs> Only sample a little bit more because obviously we need. Do we get the water to refresh our palates with? Do we yeah, need to that's, do that? that's one thing. Uh, when I was talking to Andy, is he was like, make sure you um, have some water in between uh, any drinks, um, and also make sure you wash out the glasses first before you put the other one in. Um, he did give me a, a kind of a guide into um, to, to beer tasting. <laughs> Oh, excellent, okay. There you go, some top tips from the top man. <laughs> yeah, Andy's becoming our, um, <laughs> very slowly becoming our resident brewer. <laughs> yeah, this is um, true. Because we, we met him at the... Uh, uh, Letchworth uh, Food... And uh, Garden Festival. That's it, yep. Uh, and he's also at Letchworth uh, Farmer's Markets as well. Every 
third Saturday of the month. He's at the Deletrith uh, Farmer's Market. Do they have Wobbly Bottom Cheese still at the Farmer's Market? Or oh, is yes. that just, they do? Oh, yes. Wobbly Bottom Cheese is always at the Farmer's Market. So the other week when I was coming back from Letchworth and trying to plan an alternative route because of how bad the A41 was... I could have brought us back through Wobbly Bottom, <laughs> but I thought a Wobbly Bottom is not what you need when you're driving. No. <laughs> so, on a scale of, of one to five, so I wouldn't be so cold as to give anything a Drano rating, I don't think, um, I think I'm going to go with a two and a half. Right. Because I can sample it and, and it's refreshing, but if I'm basing it on the would I go out and, and buy it and drink it, I would I would keep it as a if it was in the fridge I would drink it yeah. rather than than go out and and drink it. Per, that's just a personal taste. Do bear in mind this is obviously just personal taste, but it is. Uh, and it's, it's also I think because it's got the, the the slightly citrus notes to it, it would be quite a good summer beer. So it'd be all right for a, yeah. like a barbecue or something. Yeah, I think maybe maybe it would taste different with a bit of bit of food like that. But uh, yeah, well, when when. Um, and he introduced this. He, he saw me at the uh, at this year's uh, festival, and he was like, "I've got something for you to try." So, <laughs> oh, but if you if you like things on the slightly bitter side, then absolutely, I think this is definitely going to be something that people should should go out and try. If, if that's the kind of style of drink you like, then absolutely. Uh, it actually reminds me of um, uh, uh, another beer that I've I've tried from from the states. Um, from the uh, da, 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 who is it? It's Goose Island. Ding ding. Hey, yeah, Goose <laughs> Islands. Yeah, I'm very familiar with them being in Chicago. <laughs> the, uh, the the honkers honkers ale. Uh, Sorry, uh, my hands really went into an awkward <laughs> position there. <laughs> when you say hot, <laughs> but yeah, um, as the actual beer when we went to that uh, American um, restaurant when we was in London uh, after the uh, the fan rally. Oh, you mean Southern Joe's? Southern Joe's, ding ding. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Mike, for the tips on. <laughs> if we had a bell, it'd be going twenty four seven. Very nice, Southern Joe's, just off Covent Garden. If anyone's want, thinking of going, and you love your uh, Southern fried American food, well then worth check a out visit. Southern Joe's. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to go with uh, uh, an American actually and see how how they think our uh, interpretation of uh, of American food compares. Well, yeah, it's true. The portions are a decent size as well. I'll give you that much <laughs> as well. for sure. <laughs> now, while we savour the beer, uh, I've uh, a few beer-related stories that I've been doing the rounds um, so that we can talk about them. Now, there are plans to open a chain of discount nationwide pubs that will be selling beer for a pound a pop. Um, a couple of these have already launched in Atherton in, in Greater Manchester and Stockton-on-Tees. These pubs are a success. The chain wants to go nationwide, selling various lagers, bitters, ales, and ciders for one pound fifty a pint, or a pound for half a pint. Uh, the idea, of course, has sent drink awareness uh, campaigners into a frenzy. Colin Chevels of uh, Balance said, uh, "Drink is already too affordable, too available, and too heavily promoted. We know that problems are caused by beer or alcohol being too cheap." And the pound pub is just going to be part of a much bigger problem. We need to wake up to these problems cheap alcohol is causing both in the short term and the long term. Mike Wardell, a director at uh, Here For Your Hospitality Limited, whose firm employs 290 people, 
and already has a chain of 10 bars in Birmingham, Liverpool and Stoke-on-Trent, said the first pound pub in Atherton, Greater Manchester, has just won an award from camera for the most improved site and for their range of car scales. It's uh, hugely popular and successful and the customer feedback has been fantastic. We are responsible retailers and we just want to give value for money to working class people. I wanted to just throw into that, in response to the, the Drink Aware campaign, I'm sorry but cheap alcohol isn't the problem. The problem is stupidity. Yeah, I agree. If, you, if you're not aware that if you have three pints and you get behind the wheel of a car you think you might kill someone, that's not because the alcohol's cheap, that's because in your mind you think that's okay. It wouldn't matter if the alcohol was £10, £3, £6, whatever. You still need to be of the mindset that you know when something's wrong. If people want to go out and drink and be complete idiots, it doesn't matter how much it costs, they will do it. No, and the only thing about the alcohol being cheaper is it means it will get done sooner. That's it. So instead of being out like 2, 3 in the morning causing havoc, they'll be in bed tucked away by 11 because they'll be absolutely hammered by then. Yeah. But again, that comes down to the fact that they don't know how to handle their alcohol. That's it. Uh, you get a minority of people that are ruining it, ruining it for everybody else, really. He says here, no one said anything about uh, working men's clubs when they were offering bitter for 99 pence a pint. Uh, in fact, it was pretty popular. Uh, what makes the difference between a pub and a working men's club? I have no idea. Well, no, and that's it. If we, with, like the working men's club we've got in ours, all the drinks in there are incredibly cheap. And again, like you say, no one... Drink Aware aren't making a big thing out of this, and ultimately their responsibility should be to educate people on what can happen if you drink too much, rather than worrying about how free and available alcohol is. Because unless you bring back prohibition or something to that grand yeah, scale, yeah. the idea I think needs to be to educate people, and then you know, people aren't genuine. I said earlier, I know I said that people be stupid and do these things but maybe if we educated them because people generally are smart if you educate them to what can happen then maybe they will think twice about it rather than just saying you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that you can't do that that's not right well that just gets people up the wrong way if if i said to you don't think about monkeys what's the first thing you think about <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's my point and that's probably all i should say rather than going off on a gear grinding rant <laughs> he also says that uh we offer quality product at an affordable price. These two sites are a test, and a lot will depend on how successful they are as to how we expand the business. He added, at a time when 12 pubs a week are closing uh, around the country, we have to think outside the box a, a little. And there's no reason why this shouldn't be successful. I think it will encourage people back into the pub again, because people are not they are drinking at home. Um, because it's cheaper to go to a supermarket and buy them than going to a pub, mainly because the the taxation methods that the government are pressing onto the uh, hospitality industry. Uh, but we won't go down that road. <laughs> no, we probably should avoid the likes of taxation. But I do get the point that there are a lot of pubs closing, and when people people think ha- having a pub's a, a great idea, and there isn't a time when owning a pub was fantastic and you did used to get all the local people unless you're in a village like you say it just doesn't happen so much anymore and and if this encourages people to get out and socialise and that's the other thing as well isn't it really Mm -hmm. going to the pub isn't just about drinking it's the social aspect of it so if you're encouraging people to go out and socialise rather than stay at home and socialising on Xbox Live or Playstation whatever then surely that's got to be a good thing to have the interaction again that's it i mean it says here that the um pound pub in stockton has got traditional games like darts and billiards but there's no satellite television 
which is actually a bonus to be honest because a lot of people they see that the the football is on the tv and they avoid the pub like the plague you know because it's just pretty rowdy in there when the football's on and again it seems to be more about encouraging the social side because if you've got something on the telly people just want to sit there drink their pint and watch the watch the action whereas if you have it so that that's not there then again you have the social and you have the banter when you're playing billiards or darts or what have you and uh, and again it would just be a really really fun night out for everyone really that's it absolutely if we get any down here I'll, they'll be the first thing on my meet up organisation list <laughs> <laughs> now as you probably know Brewdog is a favourite brewery of myself and beer show Jimmy Hastel um, so I had to include a story about them Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Brewdog have teamed up with UK restaurant chain Honest Burger to create the Brew Burger. The limited edition Brew Burger, dreamed up by Brewdog co founder James Watt and Honest Burger's co founder Tom Barton, is a 150 gram aged beef patty with Comte cheese and uh, bacon glazed with Brewdog's iconic amber ale, 5 a.m. Saint, which is actually a really nice beer. The brew burger is topped with beef dripping and beef uh, beer fried onions using the brew dog's flagship punk IBA, which is another lovely beer of theirs, and barbecue reduction made from brew dog's paradox cast ale imperial stout. The burger contains enough alcohol that customers will have to show ID before ordering the burger. Where can we get this burger? <laughs> uh, a bottled beer named Bourbon. Oh, uh, yeah, Bourbon Baby has been created by Bo- uh, Brewdog to complement the dish. Uh, a barrel-aged baby scotch ale with notes of spice and brown sugar designed to bring out the complex sweetness of the burger. James Watts said, The burger brings together the best of Brewdog and Honest Burgers. Our businesses are both built on passion and in- innovation, so it's awesome to be working together. The Brew Burger and the Bourbon Baby craft beer will be served as a package for £15. Uh, which isn't that bad, really. No, not really. Uh, not at all. Well, that's, that's about $24 at all on this burger restaurants across the UK. Um, I think most of them are in London, actually. And uh, Brewdog venues across the country on selected dates. Uh, Tom Barton, head chef and co-founder of Honest Burger, said, I've always admired Brewdog, so when the opportunity came back, we jumped at the chance to get involved. Using a craft beer itself as a starting point, we were able to bring out the most prominent and complementary flavours in the burger. We are generally proud of the result. A delicious burger with a genuine ABV um, is not something you tend to come across every day. Now, Brewdog, um, have, you, have, you, have, you seen, have you ever seen a Brewdog pub before or a Brewdog bar? I don't know that I have. Uh, I visited one when I was down in Bristol. I, I found out on the off chance that there was one there and I had... Um, to make a pilgrimage, really. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. It's brilliant pubs. They have uh, a really unusual range of beers, ranging from really mild ones with very low ABV up to ones that have got like sixty-four um, percent or something silly wow. like that on it. Um, uh, I think one of I know there's one that's at thirty-two percent. That's called Tactical Nuclear Penguin. <laughs> Uh, they always come up with some weird and wonderful names. They've also got another one called um, Hello, My Name is Vladimir, uh, which has got a picture of Putin on the front of the bottle. Oh, okay, interesting, <laughs> controversial. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, they do come up some weird and wonder, like um, 
and there's a blonde ale called the Trashy Blonde, which is which is really nice. I'd love to see some of the uh, <laughs> some of the artwork that goes with these beers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's well worth going to um, a, a Brewdog bar. I mean, they're spreading out now. I know they've got them in. Um, I just opened one in Italy. There's one in Denmark. I think there's one in France. So they're they're spreading out across Europe now. So, it's but more really to the good. point. Um, so next year, being 2015, when are we going to one of the Honest Burgers in London to <laughs> try this burger that you're tormenting me with now? That I'm just thinking I would love to go out and buy one right now. Um, we need to plan a trip there. I think. Yeah, uh, that or a brew dog bar because uh, we'll have to find out when they're actually serving them. And we'll make a pilgrimage of my own because, as you know, I am quite the fan of a good burger. Um, like in Chicago, when I had a burger a day. So yeah. Nothing like a good knees up at Christmas, is it, Mike? I love it. Absolutely. Down at the pub, we have all sorts of fun, right? We do, but it's filthy around here. Look at this place. Well, well why don't you just take the garbage out? All right, well, I'm going to grab this podcast, too. Oh, what, the garbage podcast? You yeah. can't do that. That's why? Mark Taylor, the boss. What? Oh, man. Well, it's all right. You know, if you, if you have to throw it out, you have to throw it out. Why don't you take this other guy with you as well? Adri, whatever his name is. Yeah, I don't know. He's like an, you know, he's bloody NFL he loves nut. The, he loves the American sports and all oh, this woman's football league. I oh, know, he's God. into the women, isn't he? he? But he does everything the boss says, which is what you do, right? Anything you say, boss. Oh, absolutely. Good man. Yeah. Well, all I can say is from the Britain Yankee pubcast, it's... A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all from me. And a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from him. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, a slightly good clink. I don't know. We need better glasses, don't we? Yeah, let's try these ones. Hang on a minute. Cheers. Oh, lovely. Happy Christmas. What's that noise? I don't know. I know I'm supposed to work in IT and be able to get what these things are, but it sounds like it's coming from your computer. Are you are you on the line? Do we have someone on the line? Uh, are you in any of your applications? What's going on? Is there anybody there? Hello? 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 That sounds like Mr. Vobes. It is. I thought I'd just give you a tinkle. It's a good job this isn't a video chat. <laughs> Absolutely. How are you doing? Fine, sir. You join us for our um, beer show stroke Christmas show. I, I don't of... know what show it is right now. Well, happy <laughs> Christmas, let me say, straight away. Absolutely. And same and, to you, sir. And to you. And um, if I don't speak to you before, happy new year. And Yes, likewise. <laughs> well, it's, there we are. We're all full of joy of the occasion. <laughs> So how are you doing, sir? Yes, I'm doing very well. I'm um, going to be up and down from Worthing, where I live, um, to Shrewsbury, where Harriet, my good lady, lives, and um, seeing not only her and her her clan, no doubt, um, but also my kids and what have you. So, uh, yes, it's a busy time over Christmas, as I'm sure it is with you. Yes, yeah, certainly is. Um more so than ever actually this year um so how's everybody doing because i mean 
your kids used to be quite a big part of your podcast. Yes. Well, uh, the kids have this thing called growing up and getting old and making me seem ancient, which I'm not very happy about. Georgie, my lovely Georgie, who started podcasting with me back in the day, 2005, when she was 11. You're listening to Richard Vobes. <laughs> when she recorded that, she was 11. She is now 21. I mean, that is just... And she's driving and she's self, self-employed. And, um, yeah, she's, uh, she's doing really well. Stanley's been to university and he is now um, employed with a company that, that runs silent discos. And Billy, who's had a tough year this year because he had a brain hemorrhage and then an operation, which was uh, oh, very dodgy. Not dodgy on the surgeon's part, but dodgy whether it was going to be successful or not, is now recovered, working at Tesco's, doing a Prince's Trust course, and uh, yes, so the only one that's sort of not working quite as hard as he should be, or earning as much money as he should be, is their dear old dad. <laughs> uh, but I am working on my own projects as ever. I've been writing my books, the children's books, and I've started a stop motion animation project to promote them with clay puppets, which I hope to start filming in the new year. Wow. So I just got to ask Richard, so when you say about the silent disco, is mm. that where everyone goes to effectively like a like a hall, but they're all wearing their own set of headphones? Is that the silent disco? They get disco? given the headphone. It depends on how the, the event is organised, but it, essentially they uh, are given headphones and they can have up to four different channels and you may have three DJs on the stage, each doing a different type of music and then there may be one generic recorded sort of music. And on the floor, people can tune in and out of each one, so they can tune to DJ number one, and and he'll be perhaps doing sort of garage-type music or something, and then they'll go into another one, 80s stuff or rock or whatever it might be. Um, And the interesting thing is... If you're not wearing the headphones, and it's not silent as in complete, like in a library, you get the sort of a, a low-level bit of music, but you can s- tell which bunch is dancing to what type of music. <laughs> it's very amusing. But when you've got the headphones on, they're lightweight and the sound is so absorbing and it's all in your ear, you wouldn't think it would work, but it does. Well, it's almost like going to... Uh, when I used to go to the, the clubs, I can make myself sound old now. When I was young and I used to go to clubs... Uh, you'd have all the different rooms that you could go to with the different sorts of music that it sounds like you get at the silent discos. Exactly, and the beauty—I mean, the beautiful thing is that you can cater for all those different musical tastes, but you can bung them all in a uh, in a hall in the middle of a village, and there's no noise pollution coming out of that hall for the little old deer who's trying to sleep at ten o'clock at night. That's the whole uh, advantage of it. And they're also now experimenting with cinema and bunging up or even projecting against sides of buildings or various things, drop a sheet and stick a big uh, screen up and you just get the headphones. And, of course, you can hear the quality of the soundtrack 
in your ears and the thing that a lot of people don't realize is it's the sound that makes the films look good yeah. so it, the the video quality or doesn't have to be brilliant but just because the sound is coming through headphones in stereo to your ear it really enhances it and of course they could have two films playing and you, you could if you you know if you wanted to you could turn from one film to the other and just change the channel and one minute you're watching Casablanca the next minute it's Star Wars whatever it might be <laughs> so like being on a plane where you can just flick between the channels and and not have to worry about um not, yeah right, if there's a boring kind of... scene coming out and you go oh hang on look the stormtroopers are flying through over here I'll just click over to that one it it's great what? I as long as you don't get the local taxes coming through, <laughs> you're all right. I went to a, um, uh Ideal Home show not too long ago, and they made these... It's a special speaker. I, I'm not 100% how it works, but only the person who's directly in front of it can actually hear what's coming from it. Gosh. So anyone else who's around you will not hear the music or sound that's coming from it. It's only you that will hear it. Golly. Wow. So if you move left or right of it, does it suddenly disappear? It, it get cut it suddenly starts to fade away. Because I'm terrible with music. If I've got, you know, I like um, very strange music. I like The Art of Noise is one of my favourite bands, which the, I've rediscovered on there's, YouTube. There's nothing wrong with The Art of Noise. Absolutely. Um, and I whack that up really loud in the, in the studio, especially when I'm sitting here modelling clay heads and things for my animation project. But sometimes it will just move me and I'll get up and I'll start dancing about <laughs> the office. Um, but if I had to stay within that narrow beam of sound from the speaker, I would be quite annoyed if I kept losing the sound. Well, I think the idea behind it is so that it, you could have it set up for one particular room. So oh, see. Only oh, right. whoever's in that room would hear the music. If you stepped out of the room, you wouldn't hear it at all. Good heavens. Well, that's bloody clever. I wonder if that would, you could maybe use that in a cinema. I don't know whether that would enhance the experience at all, because then it's almost like having the speakers around your chair, if only you can hear what's coming out of one speaker. Hmm. I'd, I'd imagine there's quite a few uses for it, to be honest. Because you could, you could isolate a certain chair in the cinema yeah. and give... <laughs> You could give that person instructions <laughs> that nobody else could hear. Or if you were watching a magic <laughs> you imagine, show, yeah. you could imagine that, you know, the magician comes on and, and you just have somebody being told, stand up, stand up now. And the magician, and because they're, you, they're you looking around some to very say, strange use, because yeah. nobody would know, because they wouldn't hear it. There is another use, which is not a very good use for it. It's, it's, um, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the expression brown noise. Brown noise. Yeah, it doesn't sound very pleasant. It isn't very. It's um, it's an audio frequency at a certain level that um, well, um, there's a reason for it being brown noise. It um, makes something happen to your to, to your body. Let's just oh, say. Oh, see. <laughs> oh, is this a bit like in in the film Kickass? I think it's where she has the wand that basically makes people puke because it puts out that high frequency pitch. Yeah, this is a very very low frequency noise. Ah, okay. Uh, a rumble in the tumble yeah pretty much <laughs> and yeah they call it brown noise because it has the undesired effect <laughs> mm. oh wow well i hope that's not well imagine if you could um you have that on the top of a vehicle 
and drive down the road pointing through people's windows and then you just wait for the flushes. <laughs> if you were the water board and you wanted to earn a bit of extra money and get people to use the toilet, uh, you know, make the, the water run, you just drive that round there. Everyone's flushing their loo at the same time. Or like a comedian on stage, then people would literally be pooping their pants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm I heard about it on um on a science program and um it was on a on a radio program which is rather weird and luckily they didn't actually play any of this noise through the through the radio waves cuz that would have been <laughs> devastating it would have been worse than the Xbox on or Xbox off advert wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> would it work would it, this brown noise can that come out of any speaker yeah it, um, it can, and affect you yeah it it can it's, oh right! Um, it was actually developed as um, uh, some kind of weapon originally. Limey. Yeah, I've, I thought it's amazing that you can do anything with the power of sound. Would that also affect people who were hard of hearing or deaf? Is it the vibrations? I think it is. So in theory, it should. Oh right. There's really only one way to find out. Well, try and get hold of someone and try and find a deaf person. Yeah. <laughs> I think but what you scientific... need is to do that at um, a festival. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> See them all run for the plastic loose. The, the, toilet, the toilets uh, at, the, at, the, at festivals are bad at the, work, the best of times. I know. That's, you know, if I was a terrorist, that's the sort of thing. I'll be a comedy terrorist. <laughs> to, to, to be honest, if you wanted to be a terrorist in the UK, all you have to do is make it snow. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and then the whole country comes to a standstill. Oh, yeah, OK. I wonder where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we we could get away with doing this in the name of science, you know? Oh, yeah. that that, that we've, we've done a couple of things on the garbage pod in the name of science, but that would be the ultimate. <laughs> yeah. We we actually did the, uh, the experiment where... Um, this might sound a bit strange. If you put your mobile phone in a microwave and ring it, in theory, because of the, the shielding around the microwave, you shouldn't be able to get a signal to it. Right. So if your phone rings when it's in the microwave, your microwave has a leak. Yes. <laughs> I've always worried. Uh, I haven't got a microwave at the moment, but I've always worried when we did have one, that you know when you're hovering by the microwave and you're waiting for it just to come to that last 30 seconds and so you can nab the door open. I always used to think, the amount of times I've done that, I wonder if I'm slowly cooking my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in, in theory, the shielding should be, should be good. So um, I was, when I tried the experiment, I was worried that what happens if my phone does ring? Does that mean for the last couple of years or so I've been exposing myself to these microwaves you know yes did it ring no <laughs> luckily yeah it wasn't plugged in um <laughs> that was another thing i'd heard it on the radio uh and i thought hmm i've got to try this <laughs> i was i was under, led to believe that uh when you do your accounts if you, when you're doing your tax returns, if you put your tax returns inside the microwave, 
you you wouldn't actually have to have a bill to pay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that would be true. <laughs> well, I was thinking more. You're cooking the books. Hey, there he is. <laughs> I Brilliant. did have that effect somewhere, but I wasn't there in time. But uh, <laughs> as I say, it's been a while since you've been on the show, and yes. you've done quite a lot of things since. since well, I've swum around the world. Uh, <laughs> I've walked on Mars. And uh, I've had a few strange dreams. Oh no, they were the strange dreams. I beg your pardon. So you've s- swam a length of the pool, walked on a, mu- slipped on a Mars bar, and <laughs> yes, <that's it. laughs> and having psychiatric treatment. Because <laughs> the last time you were on the show, the Vogue show was still going, and and you'd come onto the garbage pod straight off the back of a beer show. Oh yes, that rings bells. <laughs> So we've got to go and be on the garage pot, the gar- garbage pod. pod. Got it, I got it. I mustn't say that on his show. He'll <laughs> kill me. <laughs> um, now, uh, let's find out what's been going on on the garbage pod show. Uh, maybe Jimmy could tell us, or it'd be even better, I could actually go and find it, if I can, on the Skypey Wipey, seeing as we're going to be on it in mm. a few minutes. Uh, so I'm just looking now. For those that don't know, the garbage pod is gar- a play on bitch. Um, Red Dwarf. Oh yeah, Red Dwarf. Because Mark Taylor is a Red Dwarf fan, and is a bit of a, he's probably a bit of a trekkie, but he's a, he's a space orientated geek man. And is the show a space show? Uh, Are they spaced out in it? They, they do their items, but it's a bit of a mishmash of things, which is what keeps an interest going. I find if you're too too themed and you can't relax, you lose people's interest. And I think you'd had something like four different beers on that show. So oh, golly. it was quite an interesting garbage pod. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming you weren't using the little sample glasses that I got when I was at the Britain Yankee. I'm assuming they were they were pints. They were much bigger, yeah. Well, I can always emulate that. I just so wish. Yeah. Hello there, the Mark. It's so nice. I love you. I just love you. Um, I don't think we were quite that slosh, but um, yes, we did uh, used to down this stuff and then try and talk about it afterwards. And and, uh, yes, I do remember now (laughs) coming away, doing another show, thinking, oh, blimey. (laughs) I hope we spoke sense. It was a great show. It really was. It was so much fun. Back in the day when there was three of us on the show. Uh, Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. On behalf of Talk of the Town, we'd like to wish everybody uh, who listens to the Garbage Pod a very Merry Christmas. In traditional Viking style, um, we'd like to raise a glass of mulled wine and wish everybody a Vas Hail, which means your health. Merry Christmas, everybody. From that show, blimey, you've, uh, let me think, things that you've done. You you, you did a bit of stand-up comedy in that time as well yeah well (laughs) i gave it a whirl i was asked to do uh, a bit of stand-up and i said yeah i'll I'll give something because i know i was always always thought it would be fun to do and then i discovered that he'd put me in a lineup where i was supporting it was milton jones wasn't milton jones uh, Milton, the guy from Mock the Mock Week, and things. Oh, yeah. wow! Okay, that's a tough gig. <laughs> and I had to support him. And of course, 
I thought, what? I was just, you know, going to sort of do a little bit and that was it. And they said, oh, no, no, we've changed it round a bit. Now you're just going to support Milton Jones. And I thought, well, I suppose if it all goes pear-shaped, doesn't matter because uh, Milton Jones is going to turn up and he'll have a nice polished show, which, of course, he did. So, uh, I, yeah, I did do it. And, and, and we filmed a bit of it. The, the sad part for that, for me, was um, the guys wanted to put a radio mic on me and they said they were going to do that right from the word go, which was great. But when it came to it, the microphone didn't work and I ended up having to really shout all the stuff that I didn't think I was going to have to and I was doing a skit on being a mime artist. Um, and when I look back at the video, I'm so aware that I'm sort of really pushing the comedy because I've felt i had to shout it out uh, i haven't really done, done much more I, I, I think because well, I, I think i saw the video to that and i, I people got it though people got the what you were trying to put across though yes no i, I yeah no they did it's just it was a it was a shame that the because you know you what do you do you just carry straight on you go oh, well doesn't matter i'm i'm used to raising my voice yeah the way i went <laughs> but uh, i can see what you mean though because uh, a loud my match doesn't really balance does it but i'm sure you made it work sir yeah well um i mean i was the the concept behind it was that i had had enough of being a mime artist and i was selling all the mime props right okay there we go okay yeah (laughs) so um so i i was talking to the audience but i the guy who ran it said oh i hope you're going to do some mime and i thought oh right well hang on stand-up comedy and do some mime so then i just thought well okay this is the angle i'll take and and i just kept selling off you know the mime wall and the dog and all the cliche things that mime artists do i (laughs) Just sort of was seeing if I could sell them to the audience. (laughs) Which, as you know, I think about it, it was a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. From there, you you started doing the the Bald Explorer. Oh, yes, that's right, the old Bald Explorer. Which is a brilliant programme, absolutely brilliant programme. They're still showing it, aren't they, on on the community channel? They've got the licence for three years. Um, They don't pay anything for it but it uh i'm happy for them to have it they're a charity run uh station the community channel so i'm more than happy for them to have it uh it's, it's good for them to have some quality on there for a change but uh, <laughs> no i don't mean it like that um and it gave me some exposure i was really hoping that other producers and what have you would see it and think oh he's an interesting bloke we'll we could do something with him Unfortunately, I can't say that's happened. Um, but they had three years, and I imagine we must be getting to the end of the first three years. They keep asking me to do more, but again, it's one of those things with me. I'm an all-or-nothing sort of person, and, and I want to do the best I can, and I just feel that I can't afford to do that because they took ages to put together and go and film all the little beautiful shots and then the bits to camera and the the computer graphics and all the research and everything else and it did take a long time to put them together there's eight of them in total and i would love to do more i just need someone to have pay the mortgage whilst i'm doing all of that work yeah and they didn't have the money so again i'm tentatively looking at doing one next year with a, a cameraman based in bedford so I may be doing one in that neck of the woods. That's um, not far from us. 
<laughs> no, it's not so far yeah, no, you. not far from you. So uh, yeah, so we have to get together and have a drink. Yeah, that'd be great. So yeah, I mean, I would, I, you know, there's this. It's like with the Vogue show. I'm itching to do the Vogue show again, but I really just don't want to do it as a token thing. And the same with the Bald Explorer. That sometimes these things they have their day and they're good at the time. And it is like when you get these shows that come back. And you kind of think, yeah, okay, you've got more modern technique, or there's CG in it, and all the rest of it, but it's not quite the the same as when it was in its heyday. Yeah. And there is that sort of feeling sometimes of letting something that was good be good. But then, you know, if the BBC came round to me and said, "Oh, Richard, you know, would you do some Vault Explorers?" I would probably snap their arm off. So. <laughs> <laughs> Have you have you ever thought of turning the Bald Explorer into a book? People have asked me that, and yes, I have. That was one of the first things I thought about when actually putting when I started writing my book. However, because the Bald Explorer deals with facts and heritage and stuff, you know, a program it isn't overly difficult to make because you're generally dumbing a lot of it down. To, to broaden it to a broad audience and a lot of it can be the story can be told through moving pictures but in a book you're slightly bringing up the uh, intelligence a bit you've got to appear to know what you're talking about and you've got to be able to put it over persuasively and accurately and i think the work to satisfy my own uh, level of perfection would take so long that the task has been quite daunting a friend of mine does uh, historic books for mainly Aylesbury and Buckinghamshire, but he's done quite well with it. Um, he also writes a column in the local rag about history as well. And uh, he's also got a Facebook page called Aylesbury Remembered. And um, he encourages people to send in old photographs and put them up on the Facebook page. I think it's brilliant if you can get the, the social side of it working so that people also are contributing bits of history which would be difficult for anyone to find out you know uncle bob who used to be the the undertaker at the so-and-so cemetery and buried margaret rutherford in 1960 you know or whatever the story might be you know just those sort of interesting things that pop up and if you're particularly if you're from the area and you go oh my god i've seen that in the town and i always wondered what it was yeah i mean he's always up for um if anybody's got any questions like that if he doesn't know he he's got a, a few colleagues that uh, probably know the answer so uh yeah he's, he's always answering people's questions i mean um i've always wondered about there's a the street in Aylesbury called castle street and as far as i was aware there's never been a castle but the street goes upwards, which indicates there could have been something at the top of the hill, which, in fact, there was. It was just a, a wooden Saxon... Like a Mott and Bailey type Yeah, thing. like a little keep, you know. Obviously, you know how these things are. Because they're made of wood, they burn down very quickly. Yes. And it's just a, a hill. <laughs> it, well, isn't Castle Street the one that you've got Prebendal House on, where I used to live? Yeah, it's at the other end. if you come in from Morrison's and then go up the hill, is that Castle Street or is it the other... It's round the back by St Mary's Church. If you go up the hill towards St Mary's Church, it's 
it's that part there. What, as you go around the corner? Yeah. Oh, right, okay, so Prebendal House is on the right oh, before the you corner. go around the corner. Yeah. Gotcha. Was Morrison's one of the early suppliers of victuals and <laughs> food and things to the castle? Uh, it, it was. <laughs> Sir Morrison. That's it, Sir Morrison, provider of cheap bacon. <laughs> uh, yes. Instead of a supermarket, it was a field of pigs. There's, oh, there, there's, a, there's a blast from the past because from the, from the old Robe show, the endorsement of uh, Morrison's. <laughs> <laughs> previously, the, the co op. <laughs> yeah, previously, the co op. Uh, if this was the Britain Yankee, there'd be the, the bell would be going two to a dozen right now, wouldn't it? For yeah, the that's the bell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. Of course, we should point out, I think, at this point, that there are, there are plenty other of other supermarkets <laughs> out there that provide very good quality bacon. It's just that this one happens to be a part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, well, previously Safeways. Yes. <laughs> well, they've all, they, or they've all got previously's, haven't they? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they've all got rap sheets. I mean, sheets. golly, you know, you think of these places and you go back to Fine Fair and... Budgins? Budgins, yes. Didn't Summerfield turn into Asda, or is it... Is no, Su- Summer, Summerfield is part of the co-op group, I think. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, Asda is Walmart, isn't it? Well, it is now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Hence all the, the Black Friday carnage. Yeah, I can't understand why we've got it, because there, there is a tradition in America for Black Friday. There is a story behind it. I'm not 100% sure how it goes. It's, it's a bit like how... It's, it's got to be tied in with Thanksgiving, because it's always the Friday after Thanksgiving Thursday. So. I think it's a bit like our Boxing Day, where you used to get your Christmas bonus uh, on the Boxing Day. Uh, Isn't the idea that it's Black Friday because it's the day that they get out of the red and, and into the, the black, black just by like... having the sales? I think it was. It was, it was traditionally, a... that it takes this whole year for a lot of companies to come out of the red and then, you know, this sort of big sales day that starts it off towards Christmas gets them out of debt and they're into the black and then you know until the beginning of the year then nobody buys anything because they bought everything because i think it went back to the 1920s you know when they had the last recession yeah the the depression wasn't there back then (laughs) not much better now um (laughs) how many shades of black are there (laughs) yeah but I have to say that obviously I'm sure you've both seen some of the YouTube clips of how people were behaving in the various supermarkets and how people can think that stamping or trampling other human beings just to get a cheap TV, I I don't quite know what goes through their mind when they're thinking that that's okay. I think what it is is they, they think if they stamp and punch and kick somebody, you know, really over the top, when they've bought their TV, they'll be able to see themselves on the news. <laughs> on the oh, TV? On the TV. Oh, it's like an ego. Right, OK. okay it's maybe... like a selfie, only you've got to get the thing home, plug it in, tune it into Freeview, then watch the news. Pay for your television licence. I hope they've all got television licences. <laughs> that would be the ultimate irony, wouldn't it? That they buy this cheap TV and then they get nicked for not having a TV licence. <laughs> that would be the perfect thing. Then they could see themselves a second time. Although they wouldn't see it because they weren't allowed to watch it. No, they'd have to ask for the police photos. Yeah, they could look through their neighbour's window (laughs) because they've had to sell the telly (laughs) to pay the fine. But There was a thing on the BBC website about is it technically stealing from you 
if somebody steals or takes something out of your shopping trolley. Because a lot of people were doing that, weren't they? If you left your trolley unguarded, they would steal if it was the last item. Because technically, it's not yours until you've gone out the door and paid for it. So it's still the property of the supermarket. Therefore, you could go to somebody's trolley. If, If you've noticed there isn't any left on the shelf and there's one in somebody's trolley, you could actually take it out of their trolley it yeah. is an interesting psychological <laughs> thing. It would be lovely to do an experiment because if you know if that's the law that until you've purchased it, it isn't yours. And it's amazing how people get very protective about something they've lifted off a shelf, put into a basket which isn't even theirs either, and are effectively moving that object just around the store uh, until eventually it reaches the uh, the tills. But then if somebody comes along and grabs that item and takes it, I say, hey, do you mind? And say, well, you haven't bought it, have you? <laughs> well, I-, I want to buy it. Well, it's, as you say, it's still technically the supermarket's property. That's it. I mean, if you was going to try one of those social experiments, I'd, I'd uh, spend a little bit of time looking at the people that are around you first Because you don't want to take something from somebody's trolley and find out they're like seven foot tall and wrestle bison for a living. Um, No, that's it, yeah. (laughs) Because you'd have to be uh, pretty fit and and, and fast like Usain Bolt to get out of the way very quickly. Don't be looking at me when you say fit and fast because those two just don't (laughs) go together. (laughs) Hey, Mark, it's Laura LaRue with a Christmas riddle. What do elves learn in school? The alphabet. Okay, one more, one more. What do you call people who are afraid of Santa Claus? Claustrophobic. Okay, I'll stop. I just want to wish you and all your Garbage Pod listeners season's greetings and a magnificent New Year, too. Y'all deserve it. Love your show. And here's to you, Mark. So you say you're travelling to and from Shrewsbury for Christmas, Richard? Yes, I shall be up there to see the lovely Harriet. Um, I also want to check out her cellar. She's got a, a cellar that she doesn't use in her house, and my house is full of either grown-up children who can't afford to move out, or it's full up with all my old podcasting gear, books, and all sorts of nonsense. And I need some space to start this animation project and building these sets for these thing and it and it's you know like two desks put together sort of space wise and i'm desperately trying to find somewhere so i want to persuade harriet to let me clear out the junk which is mainly old books which is read novels and things which have all gone moldy uh, that she's dumped down there and and use that space possibly to animate in Oh, right. I thought you were thinking about bringing back the podcast. Cause well, from, from, um, that'd be an that, interesting. but I wouldn't be able to do it from up, up in Shrewsbury because uh, I'm not up there enough, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yes, I need to find space. I still got all the old podcasting gear. I need to... Because uh, <laughs> I was thinking if, if you were doing it from a cellar, you'd definitely have Eric back down there. Well, Eric <laughs> would be there, wouldn't he? <laughs> He'd be running the place. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> oh, that brings back memories. Is it Mark Taylor? I'm going to have to sp- explain it to Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I apologise for the puzzled look on my face. <laughs> Eric is um, it's a strange character. He's a... Um, how was he described? He was a 
a hunchback dwarf with purple hair, wasn't he? Yes, that's right. <laughs> that already yeah. sounds interesting. <laughs> You've got me interested. <laughs> I found him. I found him wandering around the uh, on the beach one day and dragged him in and uh, looked after him ever since. I gave him a home, which was underneath the beach hut in the down in the basement, and he very kindly used to archive the show with one piece of tape. With one piece of tape. It's amazing that there are any copies of the show left because he has to keep recording over it on this one bit of quarter-inch tape, which wasn't very long. And Did you at least give him a pencil in case any other tape came out? Well, it's on a loop, so it basically <laughs> just goes round and round and round. Um, but every now and again he would look up the hatch and comment and try and get in on, muscle in on the show. Didn't he? He did hijack. have a show to himself. Yeah, I think, he did hijack time. the show once, didn't he? He did hijack the show. I think he locked <laughs> me out. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's it is a bit absurd. Well, it sounds like he'd get on really well with Manny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have a, um, a a creation that uh, I started when I was at college. Uh, we used to do these radio skits and things, and uh, we had this character who was a, a little northern fella who uh, lived in a Coke can. Oh. And, uh, yeah, man in the can, or what we used to call him Manny. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he's around somewhere. He's an argumentative little sod and uh, <laughs> uh yeah and uh, i think he would get on well with eric then. <laughs> see You're i think right. i think we may have created a little spin-off and you could have a manny and eric show if you have <laughs> the time <laughs> yes you see we could retire and leave it to them <laughs> i'm sure it's what they would want <laughs> yeah. i'm not sure the podosphere would cope <laughs> I've, I've just got this image now because they, they'd be very similar to, um, like, Minions from uh, oh, yeah. Despicable, Despicable Me. <laughs> well, they're getting their own movie. This is true. <laughs> but they make those films, the Minions, I have to say. <laughs> it makes me laugh, though, because a lot of the characters, the Minion characters, are the pretty people I know because there's a Kevin and a Dave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think their Dave is the same as our Dave because I... I think he likes dressing up in women's clothing but I'm not 100% sure if our Dave does that I was wondering which Dave you were referring to there yeah, because of, yeah. <laughs> does our Dave not do that uh, not that I know of he might do it the weekends but um... he hasn't told you that <laughs> I always Just noticed he wasn't available on certain days of the week <laughs> but uh, Davinia was <laughs> Oh dear! Right, I think uh, we better start wrapping things up. Yeah, well, I've got things to do, people to see, phone calls to make, letters to write, ears to trim, hair to grow. I can't stand around here and your Christmas party too long, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think we we are expecting other calls. So, uh... <laughs> well, thank you for being so welcoming and uh, letting me barge in whilst you were just relaxing there. Taking it easy at Christmas. Always an honour, sir. You take care, Mark and Adrian, and hope to speak to you in 2015. Absolutely. Take care, sir, and again, uh, wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And likewise.
Bye for now. Well, it's been another year, and a Merry Christmas to everyone at the Garbage Pod, from Alan Taylor Shearer and all of us here at 1800 Online. Enjoy <laughs> Christmas. Bar humbug. Oh, sorry. I think it's about time we take uh, a break for some music. Adrian Silas and Cassade Music um, have joined forces with a host of amazing artists to produce a unique collection of seasonal tracks for the He Ain't Heavy album, including this track that you might remember from the Bill Murray movie Scrooged. So here is Andy and the Big Funk featuring Susan Alatoy, Andrea Badassi, John Falsini and Yasmin James with Put A Little Love. Bet. 
wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from Dr. M and Team Masquerade Cazade. Expect the unexpected. Hello, Cabbage Pad. Garbage Pod. May I take this opportunity? Will you shut up? On this wonderful podcast, on which I myself have been honoured to appear, not once, but twice, to wish you all a Merry Crimbo and a prosperous New Year. Bloody carol singer. Are you ready to try the second brew of the evening? There's a bear, you know what, in the woods? Probably. (laughs) Then there you go. (laughs) Now, this beer is very different from the previous because I've had to take it out of the fridge as it needs to be served chilled. So, what have we got, Mr Mallows? We have Hotel Chocolat Cocoa Beer. The, The Cocoa Beer was brewed for Hotel Chocolat by Brewshed. I've recently caught up with Brewshed director David Marjoram who told us a little bit more about the beer. We've been first were contacted by Hotel Chocolat about two years ago and they were interested in, for the first time for them, having a cocoa beer of some kind. They approached us uh, along with another couple of microbrewers basically to sound out whether we'd be interested in trying to create something for them. So the beer is very much a result of meetings with them, trying to understand what it was they were looking to achieve and coming up with as near to that as as we could muster. And actually, they had a pretty clear idea of what they wanted. They were very keen for it to have a direct link to cocoa. And in this case, we ended up using the shells, so effectively the husk that's left over from the roasting of the bean, um, and to make probably a more natural, savoury, cocoa flavour, so it's very much not a chocolate beer, but a cocoa beer. What can uh, people expect to, to get from the beer? Well, first and foremost, uh, the basis of, of a porter. It was a, a, a porter that we often have as one of our seasonal beers that we made anyway and we're really pleased with. And when we were playing around with the flavour profile we could get from the shells, we actually found that we were getting quite sort of earthy, relatively bitter notes. So it felt that, obviously, our, our porter... Is fairly is only very lightly hopped anyway, as you'd expect, and it's got a, a nice natural sweetness to it, and a lot of those sort of dark chocolatey type flavours from the from the malt content. So we felt that there was a good synergy there with what we were looking to achieve. So essentially, what we've ended up with is a relatively classic porter, but we've altered some of the hopping and replaced it with these cocoa shells, which has given it probably slightly earthier, tobacco-y, leathery, those sort of dark notes to the beer. But it's a very subtle background flavour rather than at the forefront. So it's kind of got a feel of an, a, a traditional old English pub then? Yeah, very much so. And again, that was a very clear part of the criteria. When we first had a meeting, they actually bought in a couple of chocolate or cocoa beers from other brewers that have been done over the years of examples of what they didn't want. And they, the examples they gave us were very vanilla-y and sweet whereas they wanted to be a more authentic beer, but bringing out some of the natural cocoa notes, say, ahead of chocolate itself. So, so not when as we're used to eating a bar of chocolate with those uh, sweet dairy notes to it and vanilla notes added to it, but the pure cocoa form. 
the the process how long how long does it actually take to produce something like that i mean from when they first approached us we probably spent i guess four to six months playing around with a few different ideas and ways of extracting flavor from the cocoa shells and working out what level of intensity of flavor we want and we were you know batting back and forth with hotel chocolate about what they would like and how close we could get to it and how it was performing and then because really we've historically only done a small amount of hand bottling, we were having to demonstrate that in cask. So using our own pubs and the porter as a, as a test base for it and getting our customers feedback, etc. Um, and when we felt we were close, inviting them up. So, so to get to the beer in the first place, say maybe six months. And then from there each time, it's a fairly standard brew day to produce the actual beer a week in fermentation before it's then sent off for bottling. Brewshed, you're a, a microbrewery, aren't you? Yeah, essentially as a company, we, we had a small pub company with, um, uh, before we started the brewery, three pubs in and around Barry St Edmunds, one of which was and is the Beer House, which um, is a totally dedicated ale and beer house just off the centre of Barry. And we were really keen to put a microbrewery there more than anything as, a, as an added interest to the Beer House, but also to supply our other pubs. So we, in the shed, in the car park, we launched Brewshed, now nearly four years ago. Wow. What kind of other beers do you actually produce? Well, we always have a core range of our three beers, the first of which is a 3.9% pale ale, the second of which is a 4.4% best bitter, because we felt we wanted to cover our bases with those two core beers, both from a strength perspective and a style perspective. So the pale ale is more modern and light and fresh and... It's probably closer to where the majority of people drink these days, whereas our best bitter is maltier and using more traditional British hops um, and you know, slightly richer and thicker, if you like, and more malt-driven than hop-driven. And then in addition to that, we have our 5.5% American Blonde, which is loosely based around sort of a modern American IPA, so fairly heavily hopped with citra, nice, pale, uh, vibrant colour, um, but very crisp and high bitterness level, but, but ar- aromatic and sort of grapefruity and citrusy at the same time. So, yeah, that was David Marsham. Now, that last beer that they were talking about sounds familiar to the uh, Woodbine. A similar kind of fruity, blonde, oh, blonde right. ale. Yes, okay, yeah. So, yeah. Now, this, as he said, is a porter. Now, have you, have you tried porter before? I don't think so, no. It's... I suppose I'd describe it's very similar to a stout. So, I mean, you, you've tried Guinness before. Oh, I love stout. So, it, it, a porter is, is, is very similar to a stout. So, uh, would you like to do the honours again, sir? Yeah, no worries, boss. My pleasure. Mi pleasure. Here we go, sir. Give a little sampler. There we go, sir. There we go, boss. Glass number one. Doesn't get having a peruse of that. Don't worry about the clarity on this one. Because yeah, you're not going to see very much through there. No, it's a stout <laughs> after all. Oh yeah, definitely getting chocolate. Yeah, you are. You definitely do get that that cocoa aroma when it's poured <laughs> into the glass. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's a good smell. That is nice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I can I can enjoy that. Right, well. Fast hail. Fast hail. Ooh. Yeah. What are your what are your 
what are your thoughts? What was the oh yeah for when he was going on about the um, the kind of the rustic um, flavours, the kind of the leathery uh, mm. taste to it, but it's definitely like a stout. Yeah, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Is the from a from a flavour and texture point of view, it's very very stout. Because I've actually I've smelt um, cocoa shell, um, and they actually use it a lot in um, mulching um, for gardens and, and things like that. Um, and I can actually taste the smell that I get from. The what you're using the mulching it's 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 a really lovely it's a lovely smell and it comes out as a because your your nose and your throat are connected it's a similar but I think that's the good thing though isn't it because obviously when you're drinking you don't necessarily want to be drinking something that that does have that kind of taste to it and they've done really well because it's more for me you're getting more the the chocolate and the cocoa side is more all about the aroma and the smell mm. and then when you actually drink it it very much tastes as we say like a like a good stout which from the sounds of things is what they were looking to achieve because they didn't want it to be too uh, too dessert like I guess yeah and this is definitely a an ale that I think uh, if you just come in from the cold mm. this would be one to sort you out I think. If you've just come in from the cold, you'd want an incredibly cold beverage. Oh, sorry, chilled. <laughs> but it's it's. It, no, I know it's, what you mean. It's that kind of. It's got a kind of. Even though it's been chilled, it's got a kind of a warming feel to it as it goes down your throat. Is if you want something to warm you up when you come in from the cold, have some bourbon. <laughs> but no, I I do like this. This is good. Again, if you're if you're a start drinkers, it's very much yeah. Does this mean we need to fill your glass up some more, sir, while you think about a rating? <laughs> yeah. Oh, where are we? Oh, there. Oh, oh, hello. He's only had a glass and a half and already. Don't know where to put it. Yeah, we're glass dancing here. Yeah, that, that, that was that was innuendo territory. Sorry, Marcus. <laughs> there we go, boss. It's Enjoy. a bit more um, effervescent than a, than a stout, and it's not as it's not as um, thick. As a stout. Oh, we forgot the coasters. Oh dear. Well, as you can probably tell, uh, he's tipped you already because he's trying not to uh, <laughs> hiccup. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying not to call the mothership. Actually, I'm trying not to belch. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Yeah. No, no nice outs today, huh? Hmm. <laughs> but that. That is. That is a nice, nice touch. So coming back to it before you get drunk too much and we move on with the show, <laughs> <laughs> what would you say as a out of five? I think I'd give it a four, actually. Four out of five. It's, it is nice. Um, I cannot remember how much we paid for that now. Um, but uh, if, if they were to serve that in a pub, I'd probably order it. Yeah. But I think it's only available in... Um, in bottles anyway um, and, and I think you can only get it from the Hotel Chocolat um, stores or online which uh, would make sense and there is a link to that on the show notes there's also uh, a PDF of the pod magazine the Coco pod magazine right. that the Hotel Chocolat produced for their uh, tasting club members 
and there is an article in there about Bruce Shedd and uh, David Marjoram so um, feel free to have a look at that absolutely well for myself as we know I do really like my stout uh, I would give this a four and a half ooh my highest ever rating, rating. Yet. yeah because to be fair I would say I love my stout it's nice and smooth it's not too heavy you don't get that sometimes if you drink too much Guinness and you really sort of start to feel it in the stomach but this I think you could you could definitely have a, a nice couple of pints slash bottles of this and not have to worry too much I think that is the difference between a porter and a stout really it's just not as thick and creamy as a stout but it's still got that stout um, finish to it it's, it's yeah not, it's got a nice the colour in the although that to me, you know, looking at that, that that could be a a, a, a bourbon and coke looking. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's something they didn't tell us. We'll, we'll find out in about half an hour if it if it was a porter, if they had slipped a little something into it. <laughs> but yes, very very nice, very refreshing, and will help definitely with the rest of the show. Oh, definitely. Uh, now, I've got a few more beer-related articles to talk about uh, whilst we take in the beer. Now, I've recently discovered a company called Pat's Backcountry Beverages. And uh, they've come up with a brilliant idea that was originally created for backpackers, but uh, can be used for different uh, outlets. The idea is called Hybrid Brewing Technology, and uh, this is what it says on their website about it. Beer is typically about 95% water, which makes it heavy and cumbersome and expensive to transport. But with our hybrid brewing technology, we can create nearly waterless brew concentrate that contains all the flavour, ABV, and the aroma of a quality micro-beer. Our brew concentrate is not dehydrated beer. Unlike other concentrate processes, this is not just about brewing beer and then removing the water afterwards, which is extremely energy inefficient. Uh, instead, the uh, HBT process allows us to start with almost no water and carefully control the environment of the fermentation. The result, our first two great brews with all the taste you'd expect from a premium micro-brew. All you do is add carbonated water and enjoy. Now, there are three ways to activate the carbonation process. Firstly, you can buy Pat's Portable Carbonator system or you could use a soda stream i was gonna say a soda stream (laughs) or just buy some carbonated mineral water that sounds too easy (laughs) as i mentioned before there are two brews that you can buy at the moment uh, and each sachet makes one pint or 16 fluid ounces uh, the Pale Rail, which is a 4.9% Pale Ale with delicate blend of aromatic malts and Cascade hops, which deliver a con- uh, complex but well-balanced craft brew, and Black Hops, which is a 5.8 ABV dark ale, uh, which uh, has got the same Cascade hops combined with a bold blend of dark roasted malts to create a smooth yet robust craft beer, which I'd imagine is very similar to this, uh, what we're drinking now. Uh, each pack contains four sachets and retails at $9.99, approximately six quid. And if you wanted to buy the carbonator, that would set you back another $40. And then you'd have to buy the Activate uh, um, Crystals, which is another $5 for a, uh, a box of them. You got, I think you get like 12 sachets and you only need a sachet per pint. 
because you need that to carbonate the water in the machine. As far as I know, Pat's Backcountry Beverages products are only available in the States, but it would be interesting to find out if they can be sourced in the UK. It's just a little plastic sachet, rip the top off, mix it with mineral water or put it in a soda stream and you've instantly got beer. Wow. <laughs> Is that something that we'd be able to get over here, do you think? Or can we get in touch with some of our friends over the pond and uh, and request they send us some (laughs) we could do and we could see what happens yeah I think that would be fun would you like some more while I have the bottle in hand sir or are you okay yeah I can have a little bit more that would be great sir if you don't mind say when boss that'll do thank you very much now I love some of the signage that you find around pubs in particular the chalkboards that are out there in the streets in fact we have a photo of your good self beside a rather special one don't we we do we have it (laughs) outside the two-headed dog or the pub that was used the two-headed dog in Letchworth used to describe the twins Or as Paul, the, uh, the the manager of the Colonnade, which was the name of the pub they used, I cannot comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do remember that was um, that was a couple of years ago now, wasn't it? But that was a phenomenal podcast. That was well worth the time and effort. I feel, and every time I watch the film, I just feel how I feel like I have a special connection to it that I don't think people will understand because they haven't spent the time and and effort going effort, through yeah. what we did. And uh, for the podcast, and not only that, actually seeing Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. At the oh, of course, and seeing them as well at the uh, at the, the questions and answers. That's it. Yeah, thing, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, now, the reason why I bring up this is that I have found a couple of news stories that relate to pub signage. A pub in Cornwall has been attracting attention for all the wrong reasons after an inadvertent error made an innocent-looking sign positively risque. Okay. <laughs> when maintenance works closed some of the streets around the Wig and Pen in Truro, Cornwall, the landlords wanted to let the customers know that it was business as usual. So they had a banner printed. However, when the banner arrived, the staff didn't check it before they got the workmen to erect it. Maybe this is a bad choice of word. Um, outside the pub as there wasn't quite enough space between the words pen and is on the banner that should have read the wig and pen is open for business oh (laughs) the gaff has been attracting a fair amount of attention on the social media after pastors by posted pictures of the sign on twitter the banner has since been removed but we have a picture of it on the show notes so take a look at that Another pub that has caused a little controversy controversy over signage is the Black Lion Pub in Leighton Buzzard. The sign, intended as a bit of light banter with the customers who bring their children, was spotted outside the pub in Leighton Buzzard. It read, To avoid accident and injury to your child whilst the little darling is running around this establishment, why not hand a little poppet to a member of staff who will be happy to nail it to your table for you? No way. <laughs> Landlady, uh, Nikki Broden, said the sign was just a little bit of fun and that the pub was a fam- family-friendly establishment. However, the sign has been condemned by certain groups. 
and I can see where they're coming from, but at the end of the day, it is there. It's a little bit of fun. You do get these funny little things on some yeah, of these. Yeah, of they're not. They're not literally going to get out nails and start <laughs> pinning people, <laughs> pinning children to tables. <laughs> That's crazy. So many things offend so many people these days when it's just a joke. I've also got a, a, a picture of that on the show notes as well. And um, a comment section for those who disapprove of the sign. <laughs> <laughs> I have also found a pub chalkboard that made me chuckle during my recent visit to Canterbury. It was outside the King's Head in Wincheap in Canterbury, uh, which is a few hundred yards from where I was staying. And it read, Every loaf of bread is a tragic story of grains... That could have become beer. And underneath it, it read, 20 success stories inside. <laughs> <laughs> nice touch. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Canterbury is an awesome place if you like beer. And it's also an awesome place if you like burgers. <laughs> because there's a pub in Canterbury called The Shakespeare. And they have this burger called The King Lear. Nice. <laughs> and it's about... Uh, what's that? Half a foot? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's quite a big burger, bear in mind. Eight inches, maybe a bit more. You're saying it's eight inches tall, really? <laughs> um, I've actually got a picture of it. And Dare I ask how, what you use to measure it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 12 inches, but I don't use it as a rule. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> to the burger <laughs> it's um, yeah it's a huge burger with pulled pork in it as well oh wow and um, yeah I'll, I'll have to dig out a picture for you and I'll put it on the show notes as well it's got pretty much everything in it it, uh, it came with bacon ketchup it, it comes on a chopping board yeah and they kind of smear this bacon ketchup on it and they, they come with these special fries that come with it and you, you dip it in this bacon Bacon ketchup is all so bacon flavored ketchup sounds like heaven, really, doesn't it? <laughs> put bacon in pretty much most things, and then then job done. You're on to a winner. But yeah, I I would recommend uh, the food in in Shakespeare because it is an awesome pub. There are some really good pubs in there, and um, I'm going to try and get in touch with one of the pubs uh, called the Foundry, actually. Uh, they're part of a, a little chain of micro uh, brewers uh, in Canterbury, and they have got a brew house on the back of their pub, so they actually produce their own beer. Oh, nice! So um, I've got a business card of the guy I need to speak to, and I'll try and get in t- touch with him, which will be good. I'm going to try and get in touch with a lot of micro brewers because uh, we have got them. Around here, I mean, we've, we have the Ellsbury Brew House. True, I'm starting to notice a bit of a theme here. Someone's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why Someone's not? got a bit of a hankering going on over there. Um, yeah, it's something that I want to do. I've been wanting to do a, a beer show for a little while, and I thought I'd mix it with the, with the Christmas show. Why not? Um, well, it is Merry Christmas <laughs> after all. That's true. Um, and for the record, when you uh, do call the mothership, you do get the chocolate aftertaste. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the kind of people I want to get involved with the show, obviously, beer show Jimmy, and I've got to get him back on the show and be in his element on a beer show. Um, and also try and get uh, Ivan 
Seth. Yes, absolutely. Um, our um, contact at camera, another one of our Australian uh, counterparts. Yeah, Al- absolutely. Although uh, last time he was on the show, um, I had a, a message from, from Lloyd over in Australia saying he sounds more English than Australian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. he, he says he's got his English with an Australian tack, twang. Is <laughs> I, I'm not too sure if Ivan would be offended no, no, by that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there's only one way to find out. <laughs> Greetings from Romania, you fellow Garbage Pot listeners. My name is Monica, and as the holidays are here, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and may 2015 be filled only with joy. Kisses and continue listening to the Garbage Pot, and a special kiss to you, Mark. Hola, Signor Pulstoman Aki. Feliz Natal, Bon Anno, Vintikinza. Living here in the Algarve in southern Portugal, I thought a greeting in Portuguese would be appropriate. So basically, that was hello, Pulstoman here, happy Christmas, and a good year for 2015. An award for my command of the Portuguese language would be as rare as, well, us having a white Christmas, I suppose. But there is another essential phrase which can be used not only at Christmas, but at any time of year. Hola, bon dia, botard, boa noite, gusteria, kineka, pashfor. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, or good night. Can I have a pint, please? Another essential phrase from the Portuguese language. To all the Garbage Pod producers and listeners, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from me, Paul Stoneman, in the Algarve. Friend of the show and fellow podcaster, Gareth Jones, has been busy in Liverpool recently, but I'll let him tell you what he's been up to. I'm Gareth Jones, uh, and I'm in the Tommy Cooper show, playing Tommy's manager, Miff Ferry, a cheerful sort of fella. Miff Ferry uh, is a, a complicated character, a, a man of uh, of his age, really, you know, he, he was sort of an administrator, a terrifyingly, almost autistic administrator. He documented every detail of every conversation, every phone conversation that he had with Tommy, and you know, there's been a lot of stuff written based on what he wrote down, so there's a great deal of evidence out there. And I've seen him being interviewed as well, and he's known as a very dour Scott but I've got an accountant who's rather like him who you know really likes to laugh but doesn't like to let on that he likes to laugh so yeah a myth but myth's a curious creature being on stage is a terrifyingly new experience for me I've managed to work in television since uh, 1985 so 30 years in January uh, but I haven't really ever done any theatre. But I heard about this job where they were looking for someone who was ex-Cluid Youth Theatre in North Wales for this role, because having performed it in Liverpool, we're going to be doing it in North Wales as well. And I looked at this and thought, I'm ex-Youth Theatre. 
qualified. I could do that. So I contacted Daniel, who's putting the whole thing together, and said, can I have a go? Shot some uh, sort of tryouts at home on video. Became Miff Ferry, as best as I could manage, and they said, yeah, come and do it. It'd be fun. I'm absolutely terrified. If you're, if you're doing Miff Ferry as a very dour man, you've got to make sure the corners of your mouth don't rise when you're speaking. And the whole thing has to be done in a Edinburgh accent, which is short and clipped. So I'm sure that'll drift now and again. But I'm, the most difficult thing for a Welshman trying to do a Scottish accent in Liverpool is not coming out Pakistani. I've only just seen the Lantern Theatre for, for the first time and it's cosy, it's warm, it's friendly, which is everything I need because whilst the people you know, putting the show together are rather used to doing this kind of thing, uh, for me... I need, I need a lot of love. Um, we're close enough in an intimate space to get a lot of love from the audience. <laughs> I've started writing Tommy Cooper gags myself. You know, you spend all this time immersed in Tommy's universe and you start thinking like him. And I went into a Costa coffee shop the other day. Other coffee shops are available. And uh, I said to the person behind the bar, is it... Can you make a cappuccino? And I thought, oh, God, I was almost saying it as Tony Cooper. And in the back of my mind, I wrote a gag which went, Can you make a cappuccino? And the guy behind the bar says, I'm a barista. I said, There's no need to be embarrassed. It's the first time for everything. So, you know, Tommy, my favourite Tommy Cooper moments keep coming. You know, he's such a part of the heritage of comedy in, in this country. Even though he's not around, his gags are still around now and we're still saying what he used to say and saying the kind of things he would say if he was still here. You can't underestimate the effect he's had on British comedy culture. So, yeah, he's appearing at the uh, the Lantern Theatre in Liverpool at the moment. As he said, it, the, the show will be moving on to, to North Wales, so that would be great for him going back home. Yeah, fantastic. He's been great towards the show as well. It's, and we've had him on, obviously, the once, but he, I know you've stayed in touch with him quite a lot, and uh, he's been amazingly helpful. And it's, again, I'm sure it's, it's very much appreciated. Um, Gareth has allowed us to play into the show a Christmas song that he wrote and performed uh, with the Gareth Jones on Speed podcast crew, which is a parody of the Pogues. So sit back and enjoy. Be careful out there this Christmas by the Rogues. (laughs) (laughs) It was 28 days before Christmas. to choke I admit I was feeling a bit nervous I saw you drive by with a glint in your eye It was smoke that gave me that tear I stuck out my thumb at last luck had come For the moment so it would appear As this hitchhiker looks Three white men came bearing their gifts. I don't think they were kings. They were bad scary 
garbage podophiles gareth jones from gareth jones on speed here just wishing you a merry christmas or a nadolig sawen as we would say in wales or perhaps as we might say on gareth jones on speed merry christmas from gareth jones on speed merry christmas It's Marcus in Nuendo Bingo from Spitball and NFL Talk here. I just wanted to wish all the guys at the Garbage Pod and all your great listeners a happy Merry Christmas. Take safe, guys. You might recall musician and presenter of Is This Thing On podcast, Nick Tan, came on to TGP Extra to promote his recent webcast concert. Well, I had a chance to catch up with him to chat about what he's been up to and his plans for the new year. It's been a while since we spoke to you last. It's been nearly a year, hasn't it? 
It has indeed. It's got cold again, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to close the door. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's been happening for you over the last year? Oh, wow, loads of stuff, really. Um, in April, I recorded and released my own album, uh, my first st- proper studio album, actually, called 3AM. Uh, went and uh, did that in a place called uh, Zanzibar Studios in Winchester. And that's uh, seven tracks of mine. And basically went in and did a, a co-produced album with a guy called Toby Vane from the aforementioned Zanzibar Records. I went in and it, it soon became apparent that he had some ideas and I, I didn't really... I kind of had some ideas. of the, I knew what songs I wanted to, to do, but I wasn't too exactly sure how I wanted to, um, how I wanted to push them. And uh, he he had some really good ideas, and it was it was really nice. Instead of going in and somebody saying, "Right, so what do you want to do?" Them saying, "Right, I've got this idea. Shall we try this?" And me just going, "Yeah, yeah, let's do that then." <laughs> so <laughs> that that's that's been good, and that's been critically acclaimed. I think we can call call that. So that's that's gone down really well. Got some very nice reviews from it, and um, just starting to get some really good radio play now. A lot of BBC play. I'm being played on um, BBC Six as part of Tom Robinson's Fresh on the Net mixtape. The introducing mixtape. BBC Radio. With Tom Robinson. Six music. I know you never did me wrong. And a few other local BBC stations are playing it. So that's quite nice. Um, A whole summer of festivals, local festivals and festivals a little bit further away. Upton Blues Festival I played at. And also played at Blissfields Lion Festival in Hazelmere. And I did a little bit of bass playing for a, a band called Coast and did some gigs in Denmark and Germany and another country that I can't remember. Norway. That's right, Norway. Uh, that was quite good fun. And um, I do a lot of teaching, guitar lessons and bass lessons. And I've just started in the last couple of weeks, I've just started doing very special uh, singing lessons for people that can't sing. Wow. And that's that's gone down very, very well. And that's really, really good fun. Absolute hoot. But music, performance and writing is all, all part of... Um, it's my main stock in trade. It sounds like it's, it's in your soul, isn't it? It's in your blood. It is. I, nothing I can do about it. <laughs> so next year, are you going to be expanding on um, the, the festival side of things? or? Yes. Yes, I am. At the moment, I'm just... In the, in the in the last week, I've just started putting a band together. Well, I've just started advertising for a band, and I've had a lot of people that are very very interested. All I'm interested at the moment is is, is bass and drums. So uh, I'm going to be pick, putting the band together now, and hopefully we'll have a band in place by Christmas, and then we'll start to go into rehearsals. And I'll be looking at similar festivals, but also looking at going into Europe. There's, I've got a lot of good contacts and a lot of good fans in, in Denmark and Germany and Norway. And I'm looking at going on tour, probably not on my own, although it will be a solo. I'll, I'll be doing a solo show. I, I, I'm not planning on taking, taking a band out to Europe at the moment because it's just too expensive. Um, I'm not that big. Not that big yet. So I can't command huge fees. I, the only fees I can command will, will, will just be enough to keep me, keep me in, in um, strings, <laughs> so I don't lo- and, and also so I don't lose money. But I'm going out. The plan. Well, I won't tell you what the plan is because I don't want to jinx it. But there's a couple of artists that I know around where I live, who are extremely good, 
and we're we're hatching plans to go out to to Europe this year uh, next year that's always good to have a uh, a few irons in the fire as it were oh yes brilliant it sounds like you've got a um a really good year ahead as as well so um that's that's great because the, the festival side of it is i think is where it's at at the moment absolutely um because a lot of people are not tending to do their own concerts now they they feature at festivals i think more people attend festivals than just standard concerts i think i think you're probably right there's another thing that i'm doing as well i do as well is basically hire a venue get some friends of mine together put on a gig and sell tickets and that's also very successful yeah as, as i say um, the festivals there, there seems to be every year new ones cropping up all over the place and yeah i, uh, I played one last year uh, that it was only in its second year and that was a new forest fairy festival and it was massive and it was absolutely brilliant there's um one that um you you might want to get involved with that, that they do class themselves as a folk festival but they do all kinds of music they cover all kinds of stuff there and it's called the, the Towsey Village Festival in Oxfordshire mm-hmm. and this year was their 50th anniversary um, and it's the they class themselves as I think it's the third largest folk festival in the UK wow. uh, after Cambridge and Plymouth and I, I've been a couple of years I used to help out there I used to be a, a steward there in my early 20s it was a great way of meeting all the opposite sex really and uh that's where a lot of people started their relationships to Absolutely. be honest with you um and they had a marvelous beer tent as well which was great they had all, all kinds of uh, ales there which was brilliant um Excellent. not to mention people bringing their home brews in which was a rather strange affair oh, uh, i like a bit of home brew <laughs> and um yeah so i used to do a little bit of uh gate duty and uh, making sure people had the right wristbands and whatnot mm-hmm. and um pushing cars off the site when it had been peeing down with rain for the, yeah. <laughs> for the majority of the weekend lots of fun and um yeah of course you work there you do a few hours work and you get in to see the artists for free yeah um Cheers. so it's, it's brilliant festivals for me is where I've discovered so many different artists um, that I probably would have never have even thought of looking up their kind of music before. That's what that's that's what they're great for, especially as a performer. You get you do get to meet a lot of other other performers as well. So there's a little bit of uh, networking going on, which is always good fun. But yeah, it's 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 a great way to get to get out to a, to a lot of people. If you want to hear the full episode of Tom Robinson's introducing mixtape from BBC Six, Six Music that Nick was featured on, then check out the link in the show notes. To finish off the show, I thought it would be nice to play in a very special piece of music. Nick has very kindly allowed us to play into the show the Christmas track that he has written and he aired on his webcast concert that we mentioned earlier. So without further ado, here is Nick Tan singing Everybody's Home. Enjoy. I picture my house And what do I see My beautiful woman Waiting for me Is everybody's home for Christmas except me 
Everybody's home for Christmas except me. The snow is falling all the ground. There is love and happiness all around. Everybody's home for Christmas except me. Everybody's home. Everybody's home. Everybody's home. Everybody's home. Everybody's home for Christmas except me. Oh no. Everybody's home for Christmas except me. The bells are ringing, and children singing under the mistletoe. People are kissing. Everybody's home for Christmas, except me. Everybody's home. Everybody's home. Everybody's home. Everybody's home. Everybody's home for Christmas, except me. Oh no. Everybody's home for Christmas, except me. And you're dressing up. Our Christmas tree, and I'm missing you, and you're missing me, and you're dressing up our Christmas tree, and it's killing you, and it's killing me. Oh, it's Christmas morning, but I'm not there. Everybody's happy, but I just don't care. Everybody's home for Christmas except me. Oh no! Everybody's home for Christmas except me. Everybody's home for Christmas except me. Yeah, it's good to be on the garbage pot. Merry Christmas! Yeah, I like that festive. Ho ho ho! Yes, absolutely. Have a great holiday season and and just uh, be safe out there. Yeah, absolutely. be safe. Yeah. And also, if you're interested in unique gift ideas, um, we do parties. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, you can download episodes of Garbage Pod and NASA Edge. They make perfect digital stocking stuffers. Crichton, what's in this box? It looks like a small red dwarf garbage pod, sir. 
What, the full one? No, sir. We stopped using the small ones a long time ago. Well, let's open it then. Oh, God, that stinks. I thought you said it was empty. Sorry about that, sir. Sometimes the little suckers get away. That's disgusting. Oh, no. It won't close. There's a message, sir. Say, Merry Christmas Garbage Pod to close. Ah, oh, Crichton, you know I hate Christmas. It's the only way, sir. Well, I'm not going to do it. But that stench. Come on, sir. You can do it. Just a little one. Ah, oh, yeah. Okay, anything just to get it closed. Merry Christmas Garbage Pod. Look, sir, it's working. There now, sir. That wasn't so bad, was it? Ah, humbug. Merry Christmas, Garbage Pod. Bye-bye, little fella. There are so many people I would like to thank. We have Phil, Mike and Mark from the Britain Yankee for looking after the Bullhawk. Also, like to thank Andy Skeen from Dominion Brewery for providing the Woodbine Racer, and also David Marjoram from Brew Shed for taking time out to chat with us. We have Adrian Silas for being the perfect host to us on the road trip to Morello's, and for letting us use the Andy and the Big Funk track. Put a little love. Richard Vobes for coming on board the show tonight. Nick Tan for talking with us and letting us play Everybody's Home. Gareth Jones for telling us about what he's been up to and for letting us use Be Careful Out There this Christmas. Alan Taylor Shearer for teaming up with us throughout the year and for putting me up at Casa Taylor Shearer. And of course, all the lovely people who have taken time out to record Christmas messages who are Adrian Silas, Alan Taylor Shearer, Phil and Mike from the Britain Yankee, Gareth Jones, Jimmy Hastel. Laura LaRue Lloyd Bailey Monica Blair, Chris and Franklin from NASA Edge Paul Stoneman John Bosco from Talk of the Town London and Marcus Innuendo Bingo from Spitball and LFL Talk Of course, not forgetting Mr Mallows here for his support throughout the year It's been my pleasure boss and long may it continue I also want to thank the guys from the Three Cuckoos podcast for playing a Garbage Pod promo on their latest show. Well, I think that leaves us with three things to say. What's that then, boss? Well, it's Merry Christmas from me. And it's Happy New Year from him. Cheers. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of The Garbage Pod. Be sure to visit www.thegarbagepod.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab in the menu. While you're on the website, why not have a nose about? You can find out a little bit more about me and the rest of the crew and find out what's going on in the podosphere by reading the blog and much, much more. Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com because your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the website, which include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, TuneIn and Stitcher On Demand Radio. Don't forget to review us and give us a five-star rating. You can also listen to rebroadcasts of our shows on the 1800 Online Network at www.1800online.weebly.com. If you like what we're doing here, 
Then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages, the blog or the video vault. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Thanks for listening and I'll speak to you all again soon. The Garbage Pod is a Spamhead production.